This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Av, did you know that a cowboy was once a derogatory term back in the Old West? I did not know that until today. Mm -hmm. And also, Vanya, did you know that Wyatt Earp was a middle child? (laughs) Didn't is know that, that does that seem like just not what you thought? There is some vig gold in this story. Vig is vigilante. <laughs> vig is vigilante. Where have all the cowboys gone? And Wyatt Earp's family. Okay, let's get to it. Jesus. Here we go. Guys, I can't believe we're doing Wyatt Earp. So it's not just Wyatt Earp. Like Wyatt Earp is like super, super famous person. Obviously, people must know that. Um, I know that I only knew it like growing Wyatt up. Who? Wyatt, Wyatt who? Wyatt uh, who? I think it's no, pronounced Earp. Erpe? Erp. Um. Okay. So it's, it. thank you. I thought, I was like, she's saying it wrong. She's saying Erp. I'm pretty sure it's Erpe. We're approaching our season finale, which is our next episode. Now it was yes. going to be this episode, but as we were doing our research for this, we've got, we're beefing up a really, really good episode for you guys. Next one. This is really good too, but this next yeah. episode has got all kinds of bells and whistles. But as we were researching, we found, oh shit, we didn't do like the, mo- one of the most quintessential Vigilante, there's also a term just called vigilante, just, or sorry, frontier vigilanteism. And in my brain, when, when you brought up the fact that we never did like an old Western. Yeah. Because I think that for most people, I'm not saying that the, like the old Wild West is where vigilanteism was born. I'm sure that's completely inaccurate and it was around way before that. Oh, sure. But I, I feel like the concept of vigilanteism or vigilante justice as we know it mm-hmm. is kind of born from like stories of the wild, wild west. Well, and then you, yeah. then you, after that, you bring in like superheroes and stuff like that. But I mean, it was definitely. Well, it was just like, a time where there was no law. There was no organization. And so it was kind of like, even as we're learning and you guys will talk about it, but as we talk about Wyatt Earp and the Earp brothers, they're all in like law enforcement, so to speak, marshals and things like right. that. But they like, I mean, it's like a real messy line in between like, I own a saloon yes. and also <laughs> gambling. I'm, I'm and, the law. Yeah. No, but it's so funny. I actually was listening to this um, podcast called History of Go-Go where <laughs> um, the host was interviewing, his name is Tom Clavin and he's an author. Oh, sure. And he just wrote a trilogy about like the frontier and the final book is called Tombstone, the Earp Brothers, the Airpay Brothers, the Earp Brothers, <laughs> Doc Holliday, Doc Holliday and the Vendetta and the Vendetta Ride from Hell. Yes. And he had this really funny little like bit where they were just talking about, you know, the w- old Wild West before getting into it. And he uh, 
Tom Clavin was saying in his research, he found that it really wasn't unusual in the 1870s and even into the 1880s to have someone be like wanted for bank robbery or I don't know, horse thievery or like a wanted criminal one year. And then the very next year, that same person would be like the deputy deputy marshal of of that county. That's just and nuts. he said he thinks it had something to do with the fact that if you were a, an experienced criminal, that meant you knew how to handle a pistol. And that is important when you're the law. Wow, that's true. Because apparently, back in the Wild West, everybody had guns. Everybody. Well, you but had to, most people I guess. didn't know. How, but most people didn't really know how to use them. Well, and really, <laughs> or they were bad shots. Yeah, I feel like I would be a good yeah. shot, or I just want to be a good shot. I've never shot a gun though. Have you? I you know, I need to. That's not true. Yes. I shot BB guns as kids. Like we had. I mean, as I don't you know, know what the I hell my parents were thinking. <laughs> like we just go in the backyard and shoot cans like all the time. We're <laughs> children of the eighties. It's yeah. weird that I didn't have a BB gun. Um, but no. So I think I shot. I think I shot a gun one time. But I was at summer camp, and it was one of those things where there was archery, and I was pretty decent at archery at this <laughs> camp where I went to. I remember definitely shooting bows and arrows like an archery That's practice, cool. but I feel like we also shot um, shotguns like in a, in a range type thing. But then part of me is like, do they really have 12 year olds at camp shoot shotguns? And I, mean, I just maybe. create that memory. Maybe. I mean, we were in the wilderness of who knows where, maybe Colorado. I think it's so a good possible. skill to have. I do. I, I mean, I think like... It's it's a good skill to have. I don't know, but it is crazy. It's also yeah. crazy because okay, so the old west back then is like every. I, it, 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 okay, so it is also crazy to me that's only like a hundred and fifty years old or whatever. Right, you know, it's not that old. Even like yeah, like a hundred. I think this all goes down in the seventeen eighty or yeah, no eighteen eighties. The seventeen eighties, yeah. way back <laughs> when the country was just founded. It's like basically kind of right after the Civil War right. is when. People start exploring what becomes the Wild West. Right. And there were these places, and they still use this word, but there were these cities, towns called boomtowns, which is a community that like undergoes like a sudden and rapid population and economic boost. And it, and it starts from like nobody. And it's usually linked to some sort of a precious resource found, finding that, you know, right. like gold, so there's oil. Like, or silver, yeah. coal. Yeah. Because exactly. I think Tombstone, where the bulk of this story that we're going to tell today Tombstone, takes place. Arizona. Tombstone, Arizona, not too far from a birthplace. It is a different county. <laughs> it's like the Conchisa, or I think it's called like the Conchisa or Conchiso County uh. of Arizona is where Tombstone is located. And I was born in Pima County, there you go. Um, which is where Tucson those uh, all of a sudden I was like, did I just say Tucson instead of Tombstone? But where Tucson is located, yeah. but that actually comes into play a little bit Tucson in the story, which is my stomp grounds. That's true. Um, but I I feel like so much of this tale is just kind of like legend and lore. And so what I thought I knew to be true about, um, you know, Wyatt Earp and the like showdown at the OK Corral, you know, like we used to go like old Tucson where they set it up like an old wild west town with like saloons and a corral. That and sounds all that fun. Stuff. And I would totally, it is fun. I would totally be a tourist and do that so hard. Oh my gosh. It's so, it's so fun. I was actually talking to your husband about how he went on a trip there. Oh, really? For I don't remember if he said he was in college or high school or something, but he was on some kind of a school trip, and part of the trip was going to Old Tucson. Oh, wow. And um, yeah, so I I was definitely brought up, you know, with lots of like proud lore of the Wild sure. West and like the cowboys of 
of uh, where I was from. So this was fun to kind of debunk some things. Yes. Just learn some interesting facts that I didn't know. Mm-hmm. I just finished watching Tombstone, the fictional. I made her watch it. I'm like, you have to watch the movie Tombstone because it's all oh. about, it's basically, so it's actually called the Earp Vendetta Ride. That's like the title of this vigilante right. tale. Um, yes. But it starts with the OK Corral. Corral. Yeah. Corral. The OK Corral, which is, you know, like a corral is where you keep horses. Exactly. And it's actually like an alleyway, like, right? It's a skinny alleyway. In my mind, it yeah. was like a huge, I don't know, area where it was like, woo, woo, woo. Yeah. No, well, that's that's one of the interesting things. So uh, the OK Corral was a large area where they kept horses. But the shootout or showdown at the OK Corral actually didn't oh, take place oh, oh. in the corral. It, w- it was like in an alley kind of like behind the corral. Oh, OK. But that's just one of those little details, you know, that over time gets kind of yeah. lost in and translation. And people are obsessed yeah. with the story. Like there are so many yeah. historians there, like anyone, my grandpa's age, you know, my husband's grandpa, they love this stuff. And I feel like I heard a little bit too of it growing up. I didn't live, I didn't grow up obviously anywhere near it, but I, I kind of knew of it, but I just didn't like pay much attention because in my mind it was just like right. made up, made up Western stories. I know I it like, was real, but I, or I know why it yeah. was real, but I didn't know this right, the scandal all of, like the of all legends. This. Yeah. And for me, I think because I grew up kind of in a place where there were lots of like stories of this from like, this is how this place came to be. This oh, is sure. why this town is this way that I was like, Ugh, boring. I was never into this kind of thing ever. In fact, this is a random somewhat segue, but I never thought I liked Westerns until that limited miniseries Godless. Oh, I never Did saw you watch that? that? No. Okay. Do yourself a favor. I won't spend too much time talking about it. I believe it was on Netflix. It starred um, Jeff Daniels and okay. Merritt Weaver and who is the wonderful actress? I can't think of her name, but she was like from Downton Abbey and other shows. Old she's like lady? the main. No, she's young. She's like the main dark haired girl from Downton Abbey. Sorry. her. I'll just blurt out a random woman's name later on. <laughs> it's totally That'll fine. be who it so, is. Well, but yeah. it's the best. It's a miniseries that's just like a an, like an old Western and it's about a mining town. And I don't remember which it might be like more like Wyoming, Montana, yeah. but this boom town that at one point was like a huge boom town and they had this mine that was like the source of all the income. And one day there was this horrible accident and almost every single man in the town worked in the mine. And so almost every single man in the town died and only the women were left in like the preacher and like the sheriff were like the only two dudes in town. And then there's outlaws and all kinds of stuff. Like Ooh, that guy sounds comes fun. Into town. Anyway, if you like Westerns or you know, if I actually listening do. to this, you like, do. I loved yeah, watching no, Deadwood. Vanya. Oh my I God, liked, you'll love it. And I, and my husband I don't loves Dances with Wolves is considered a uh, Western, but I love Dances with Wolves. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like Kevin Costner definitely had a period of time where it was like, if it wasn't Western, it was like a wilderness. Yeah. He actually played Wyatt Earp. This is actually did, yeah. an interesting fact. Like Tombstone came out in 1993 and I want to say like six months later, Wyatt Earp, the movie called Wyatt Earp came out and I actually haven't seen Wyatt Earp, the movie. It's It was a full two hours longer than Tombstone. Um, what? Tombstone yeah. is two hours and 15 minutes long? I know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it must have just had a lot more details. I think probably that's the case. And Kurt Russell as Wyatt was amazing. And there's some good old nuggets from there. If you guys have seen that show, oof, you're gonna love it. But here, we're gonna debunk some of the like some of what Hollywood did. But I think they got a lot right in Tombstone. They like they scrunched some things together. Yeah, they just they scrunched it all together. Yeah. And yeah, then left which some is why things we, out without being too a lot of yeah, like a lot of things actually that yeah. I feel like add to maybe a little bit of the 
the motives of people. That's and I was true. like, if you had to explain that, this wouldn't seem so dramatic. The yeah. like, no, That's right. in the water. Where I was like, they should have done that in slow-mo. That wasn't a good look. But I loved the movie and I loved Kurt Russell in it. But yeah, so I thought we could just do like a little bit of just bio history real fast on Wyatt Earp proper. Do it. Let's get into it. First things first, Wyatt Earp was one of 10 kids. Holy. When I, I just like, when I think of it, I'm like, holy bajoli. There was six brothers and four sisters. Two of the siblings were from his dad, Nicholas's first wife, and she happened to die at a very young age. So he they had two kids together, and then she passed away. And then um, he remarried and had eight more children. And so when you hear about, like, the Earp brothers, in Wy- and Wyatt Earp is so clearly, like, the leader in every story, I assumed he was the oldest. But actually, he is the middle child. So of the, of the six boys, there's James, Virgil, then Wyatt, then Morgan, then Warren. And so I just thought that was kind of interesting. And they moved around a lot. Of the 10 siblings, they were born in like three to five different states. Like they never stayed put. For one, his dad, I guess, had like a restless spirit is how this historian who wrote this book put it, but also said, <laughs> but he was also like an illegal moonshiner and maybe on the run a lot. Um, so... Yeah, so Wyatt Earp grows up in this like very kind of nomadic house, like household. They move around. It's exciting. And he kind of has a little bit of his dad's energy. But at the age of 21, he kind of makes a surprising decision and he gets married and he becomes a constable in the town of Lamar, Missouri. And as a Apparently, you know, if everything was to go to plan, he's about to settle down and become like a family man who is a lawman of Lamar, Missouri. He's going to have a wife and kids and like Good set up shop Good stable job, there. you know. Good stable job. But then unfortunately, at eight months pregnant, his wife dies of what people assume is either typhoid or cholera. Oh, that's so At eight exciting. months pregnant, she passes away and so does the baby. <sighs> so Wyatt is left completely like untethered and unhinged. And this is when he becomes not a lawman and he starts breaking some laws Uh and getting pretty like rowdy and he's you know again roaming all over the place but he is a horse thief that's like his main criminal enterprise ends up being arrested charged and imprisoned for being a horse thief then he escapes from prison so it doesn't like get out for good behavior or serve his time he like straight up as a fugitive oh my so God. The, like one of the best known lawmen was actually like an outlaw fugitive so after that after breaking out of prison he kind of slowly rebuilds his life which again involves tons of moving around he was apparently a really personable person and people immediately kind of trusted him so as he was meeting people making friends and like moving through the country he eventually gets himself a job as a lawman he tried you know he tasted the life of a criminal and ended up in prison and then you know had to break out and he was like a little stressful he's like that was just research okay guys it was just research I just want to know how the mind of a criminal works. So eventually, through all of these contacts that he makes, he gets a job as a lawman. They say lawman repeatedly. So I was like, was he a sheriff, a deputy? I think it was a little less specific back then. Like, if you were a marshal of your town, then you were kind of like the beat cops, whereas like the sheriff was of a county. Okay. And then a U.S. marshal is like, you know, a federal thing. And that all comes into play. So he gets a job in, I believe, Abilene, Kansas. It was either Abilene or Wichita. The guy I listened to said one once and then the other one other time. And then eventually makes his way to Dodge City, where he and his best friend at the time, um, Bat Masterson, they cleaned up what was known 
which is Dodge City, which was known at the time as the wickedest town in the American West. So oh they basically like drove the cowboys out of Dodge City. And another fun fact, I have a connection to Dodge City. As listeners who've listened to this before, and if you're new, I'm so sorry for assuming you knew any of this. But <laughs> so I was born in Arizona, but my dad got a job and we moved to the Midwest, to Kansas, when I was 12. One of my dearest, closest, bestest friends in the world, Phil, is from Dodge City. Yay, and so Phil. I feel like, I know, hi, Phil, if you're listening, I love you so much. I miss you. Um, but he's from Dodge City and he would tell me the funniest stories of this. Like, this is a town in the middle of Kansas, which apparently at one point was the wickedest town in the American West. First of all, I never think of Kansas as the West at all. But I guess it was before the West I was mean, the West. Yeah, compared to New York. And people didn't know what was all out there. That's like true. California was settled, but there was like this blank void between the Mississippi River and California. California will be a sight for these weary eyes. Um, but yeah, so Dodge City was this big cattle town. It still is. And Phil, my dear friend, worked, I believe, at a, I don't know if it was like some kind of a theme restaurant or attraction. And there was a piano that would be played. And the song was, when you're in Dodge City, come visit Miss Kitty. Because, you know, back in these days, it was all about the saloons and the yeah. the working ladies. He cleaned up Dodge City. And then I just want to do a quick brief foray because it comes into play. Doc Holliday, also another famous character that we all know about. Yes. So Doc Holliday, in case you don't know, was a uh, was from Georgia and was trained to be a dentist. He was from a very like well-to-do Southern family, but he very tragically and unfortunately contracted tuberculosis, I believe at the age of 15. Mm-hmm. That's what I read as and, well. And didn't you tell me that he got it from his mom? He got it from his mom. He They think he got it from her while he was caring for her during the contagious phase. Which is so sad. So like most people in this time period who were unfortunate enough to get tuberculosis, he was advised to head west to warmer, drier weather. They thought that that climate was healthier for people dealing with this illness. So he eventually does. But along the way, he likes to gamble. He likes to drink. He likes to make enemies wherever he goes. And one uh, um, on his little tour, as he's waking his way out west. And he's not 15 anymore, right? Like he's oh no, at this point, he's in his 20s or something. Maybe. Yeah, he's a grown. He's a grown man. He's lived with Um, tuberculosis, hasn't died for right quite and a few he, years I mean, he, he died pretty young but he definitely he lived for a, a while yeah you know he's gonna live through our story about that <laughs> yeah. so um so he was a gambler that eventually kind of became what he called his profession that's how he paid for his life is he gambled and he won um and he was in a saloon in griffin texas on his journey west when Wyatt Earp walked in, because in the off season, which I love, I was like, there's an off season for cops. But in the <laughs> off season in Dodge City, so maybe there was a time when like all of the people who would bring the cattle, like the cowboys, so to speak, that sure. would, maybe they were bringing, they were taking now ca- them out. But anyway, in the off season, he Wyatt Earp worked as a bounty hunter to make money in the interim. So he would like chase down bad guys on his own time to get the reward for catching them. So he walks into the saloon in Griffin, Texas, sits down next to Doc Holliday. They get to talking. Doc Holliday is like, he's kind of just, White Earp's describing the men he's looking for. And he's like, oh, I, I played cards with those guys just like a day or two ago. So he basically gives White Earp all the information he needs to apprehend these guys, make his money. And they kind of become just fast friends. And, and White Earp says to him, um, if you ever need anything at all or you just need a friend, you can come see me at any time in Dodge City. 
So shortly after that, inevitably, you know, professional gambler and drunkard, he gets himself into some trouble. And his quick thinking girlfriend, Kate Elder, also known as Big Nosed Kate, which is so mean, um, she gets them out of town and they hightail it to Dodge City, where he becomes Wyatt Earp's basically sidekick and backup man. Bestie. They're like besties. They're besties. (laughs) Yeah. And one of the funny things that they mentioned was that no one really knows why Wyatt Earp took such a shine to Doc Holliday because like nobody else liked him. Like he was famously unlikable, difficult, a mean drunk, a cheater as a gambler and all this stuff. Like even they say the Earp brothers, they they tolerated him because he was Wyatt's boy. But um, yeah. So they just become like best buddies. And then in 1879, um, Wyatt decides to leave the law behind. He wants to be a businessman. He wants to be rich and reinvent himself. And he moves to Tombstone, Arizona, because that is where the majority of his family, his siblings, have basically settled down and purchased and land. It's like and it's booming, homes. right? It's like. And it's a boom town. Yeah. yeah so he, get, he retires from the law famously as an incredible Lawman. I'm just going to keep saying lawman because yeah. that I don't think they called them the police. But lawman um, who had like a reputation for really laying down the law, if you will, moves to Tombstone. He was effective. And so in 1879, he moves there. And what he wants to do is, yeah, become a businessman. He ends up um, buying a couple of like property, some land and gets a job as like a guard slash dealer at um, a saloon in Tombstone. And if the movie's accurate, apparently from day one, everyone's like, be the police, be the police. He's like, no, man, did you hear me? I said, no, yeah, I don't want to do I quit it anymore. That. But I'm trying to make I, money. Yeah. I didn't hear any of that in my research, but I enjoyed that part of it. Yeah. Like, I just want to be rich now. Yeah. Is there anything that I have left out that you desperately want to tell the people? He came with his wife, Maddie Blaylock. Oh, yes. Talk about her for a sec. Well, I didn't she, write anything about her. you know, in the movie it shows, but she, he, it was his common law wife. He had a lot of common law wives. This would have been, I guess, a second one because the first one died. Oh my God. Then maybe they were like a real Z. But common law just means. I think she might have been his third, Vaughn. Oh, really? Well, Only he, because he got I, around. I know, that Jose- I know that Josephine was his fourth and final wife. That's and right. And I feel like Maddie was right before her. She right? was. Yeah. So, she, so there must have been one in there in the Kansas. And years. also he was he got around. He this is where it makes me like just pisses me off for women. But whatever. Yeah. But common law back then just meant that you didn't have a formal ceremony and it's not necessarily on the books. But you look at each other and say, I'm married to you. And that's essentially right. what it is, because I always thought I always thought it was like seven years makes a common law wife, not back in the old West, especially right. in so Arizona. That's, so that wasn't that wasn't the case. No, then back. It was like, I just assumed it was the same thing. Yeah, so no. common law now means you have basically like cohabitated, yeah. shared like a bank account in your life with someone yeah. for seven years. And technically, Which I think you start to get the benefits of a married couple. It's actually not true. It's state by state. And a lot of places don't oh. recognize common law. So I only looked that up because I was like, what is common law? You know, I because I had heard that, but it's not true. So it was I looked up some uh, article where it's like, don't worry if you live with someone for seven years, you're not automatically married to them. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, so no. listen, you're like, but why not? Yeah, no, I think that's great. Like, sure. Why is that a thing? You get to decide if you're yeah, married. it's state you by know? state. Like that should be a choice. And it is. Check it out. Check your uh, local listings out and see what yeah. kind of laws are going on in your Find state. Find out if you're actually already married. Yeah. And you didn't know <laughs> so, yeah. So I just want to bring her up. She was his wife in his eyes. And she was a person who like you see in the in the movies, but she had headaches a lot. Gets hooked to laudanum, which is 
a mixture of alcohol, morphine, and opium. So it's highly addictive. Highly yeah. addictive. That's the only thing I want to add. You know, all the other Earp brothers brought their wives along as well. And the same day that they came in, that Wyatt Earp came into the town, also a theater group called the, hold on, we're going to get back to this. I'm just going to like tease you with this. Tease us with um, It held 14-year-old runaway Josephine, who was traveling with a theater called Miss Pauline Marcus, H.F. Pinafore. And they they hopped out at the same time. So you've got so wait. She was fourteen. She was fourteen. Yeah. The, I'll get yeah. I'll get more into that once yeah, we're done we'll with the story. It. But but this is it's very uh, it's a messy it's a messy and a little bit dirty. It's a, yeah. It's a it's a wild time and um, a lawless time, if you will. Also a good movie, but not a western. <laughs> I just watched it with my husband. So as you mentioned earlier, Vaughn, like cowboys. A cowboy was a derogatory term meant to describe somebody whose only qualification was that they could ride a horse and deal with being around smelly cows for like long stretches of time. But one of the the things that started to kind of occur in this time of cowboys is they would spend, you know, sometimes like six weeks or more on the trail. And then they would arrive in town with pockets full of money and this sense of entitlement of like, okay, I've just roughed it so hard. I haven't showered. I haven't bathed in anything but a stream. I haven't seen a woman. I didn't get to have any, you know, whiskey or whatever on my trip. So I'm going to like live it up as hard as I can. Mm -hmm. And I have earned the right to women, booze, and brawl. And and so it was a kind of a tough spot for these cities or these towns because they relied on the money that the cowboys would spend when they would roll through town, but they would also be incredibly destructive. And so eventually lawmakers in texas are like it's not worth it like that the money you bring is not doesn't make up for the destruction death just a horrible criminal chaos yeah and the criminal acts rapes so they have they literally pass like legislation that bans cowboys from being in texas which pushes them into new mexico right eventually new mexico has the same exact feeling and they are then pushed out of new mexico and they wind up in arizona so just keep that in mind as i'm kind of explaining the historian Tom Clavin said something that I thought was interesting where he said, so Tombstone was kind of this strange flashpoint where the people who were living in this booming, boom, this boom town, <laughs> they really wanted to turn it, you know, where people were wearing like highfalutin French fashion and everything was like, tr- they were trying to be very cosmopolitan, right? They wanted it to be a civilized town that would last forever and um, where you could settle down and raise your kids and it was safe. But at the same time, for the cowboys, it kind of represented their last chance to like live the life that they loved and lived and had been living this whole time because it was the last place that was still open to them. They had nowhere else to go. They'd like been pushed out of everywhere else. Tombstone kind of was this weird, it will become what they describe as the end of the cowboy. It was right. the, the death of the cowboy took place in, in Tombstone, Arizona. But anyway, that's kind of the vibe of this town. It's like you got people who want this to be like the next San Francisco per the movie Tombstone. I, I just only got that from this. And then you've got people desperately trying to hold on to the old Wild West. So it's a fight between the Wild West and what the more sophisticated people wanted to just be called the West. Mm-hmm. So there are two families of ranchers, the McClowries and the Clantons, who had settled down in and around Tombstone and had been there for a really long time. And they're often depicted as like straight up villains. 
But they were more, they were really just human beings. You know, they were right. a little more complicated. Yes, they were criminals. They would go to Mexico and steal cows and then rebrand them and then sell them to the U.S. Army. Um, they would harbor cowboys who had committed horrible crimes and help them like cover their tracks. But they were just these people that firmly believed in the way of life that they had always known and lived by. And they didn't want to see that come to the end. They were kind of determined to, to make sure that the wild, wild west stayed wild, wild. Mm-hmm. So now you got the Earp brothers in town and Virgil Earp eventually becomes the marshal, which really means he was the commissioner of police. So he's like the, the chief, chief, chief top police in Tombstone. And there was a sheriff. His name was Johnny Bean Bayan. He's um, important. He it's, didn't... it's, it's Bean. Bean. So jo- Sheriff Johnny Bean. But he was, I guess, you know, the sheriff, as we mentioned, is like countywide, not specific to the town. And so because he was also scared of the cowboys. And I think he or just was didn't want to make useless. trouble. Yeah. He, yeah, he, didn't he want was like any a coward. Trouble. Yeah. Yeah. So he kind of refused to ever stand up to the cowboys who were, you know, shooting people in the streets mm-hmm. or you know, brawling or doing horrible things to the women folk. Um, And so because the sheriff won't do anything, the Earp brothers kind of become like the de facto keepers of law and order in Tombstone. So even though Virgil is the only one initially who is an actual police officer, everybody in town looks to the Earp brothers to like keep law and order. And so when these brothers tried to put an end to the lawless ways that the ranchers and cowboys had been doing things for years. Things got super effing tense. Right. People don't like so, change. They're like, this is how they we resist roll. change. Yeah. And apparently there were two newspapers in Tombstone. I think it was one was called like the Epitaph and one was called the Nugget. And I think the Epitaph was like pro law and order and the Nugget was like pro cowboys and ranchers. And they really had a large hand in amping up the... um the tension between the two factions because they would like print like this, per- these guys got to go while the other one would be like, these guys got to go. But everything really starts to come to a head on October 25th of 1881. So remember the two main rancher families that had been in Tombstone forever were the McClowries and the Clantons. So Ike Clanton on October 25th was out in the saloons and he got wasty caked and he started <laughs> mouthing off. And, like, literally going from, like, saloon to saloon, just drunk out of his mind, saying, like, someone's got to get these herps out of here. And he's like, I'm going to get my gun and we're going to just down with the herps. And so because, um, you know, the law was, in fact, Virgil Earp, as he is being drunk and ridiculous and aggressive and loud, he is thrown into jail to, like, sleep it off overnight. And coincidentally, around the same time this is happening... The McClowry brothers and Bill Clanton, who was Ike, the guy I just mentioned, who got thrown in jail for being drunk and disorderly, um, are they come into Tombstone to do business, right? So it's they didn't come because they knew he'd been thrown in jail. They were coming to town to do some bit some rancher cowboy business. Just so happens that Ike is thrown in jail because he is drunk and saying we gotta kill all the herps. So when mm. like the following day Ike gets released from jail, he's very angry probably a little humiliated and he tells his brother and the McClowry brothers his version of events and the four men are like we got to we got to put an end to these this these herps so they get their weapons and they basically just start hanging out right around the okay corral with their guns right because um Virgil had passed a law 
that said, and it was controversial, especially for the Cowboys, that you were not, it was illegal to carry a firearm within the city limits. It was not illegal to own a gun. It was not illegal to shoot a gun as long as you weren't within like town proper. Which is like one street, basically. Yeah. So these guys bring the guns into town proper and they're basically like sticking their middle fingers up being like, (laughs) what you gonna do about it, lawmen, right? And this goes on for days. Um, And people are like, you guys gotta do something, you know, and the useless sheriff being is like, you know, it's just a misdemeanor or something like that. So finally, <laughs> everyone's getting on Virgil to do something about it. So he's like, oh, okay, I guess we're going to do this. So he deputizes his brothers, Wyatt and Morgan, and he reluctantly deputizes Doc Holliday because here's one great large disparity from the movie Tombstone that yes. I just watched to everything that at least this historian that I thought seemed pretty credible and has written books on it and done a lot of research said. So Doc Holliday was a famously god awful shot. Like couldn't <laughs> they said he couldn't hit like a wide bar, which I'm assuming they meant like a saloon, if he was four feet from it. Oh like he'd miss god. it. Like that's how bad of a shot he was. So he like kind of he's like, okay, because you know. Doc's like, if you're going, I'm going. It's like the biggest insult if you don't deputize me and let me stand up to these cowboys with you. (laughs) So he reluctantly deputizes him and famously, everybody knows, gives him a shotgun. But it's not because of whatever reason is in the movies. It's because a shotgun takes longer to like fire from and reload and that you're less likely to miss with a large... Well, yeah, buckshot is like, it kind of sprays out. And it kind of shoots straight out, yeah. right? Because apparently the reason they wanted him to have the shotgun was they were afraid if they gave him a pistol, he'd accidentally shoot one of them. That's how <laughs> bad of a shot he was. <laughs> so he's like literally portrayed as like a super fast six shooter in Tombstone. And I was laughing because I had done the research before watching it. And I was like, that's all wrong. But I like it. <laughs> yeah, it's um, So off head... Virgil, Wyatt, and Morgan Earp with Doc Holliday wearing a long coat and has a shotgun under his coat, and they start heading towards the OK Corral. Now, as Vanya also mentioned, the shootout at the OK Corral took place in like a small alley. There were definitely witnesses, right? Because people standing like above and stuff, but it wasn't this like crowded public space. It was a small, like narrow alley, not a lot of room. And there were the four, there were the two, um, Sorry, let me names average. Sorry, the two McClowry brothers and the two Clanton brothers. Yep. And then there were the three Ert brothers and Doc Holliday. And another thing that movies often get wrong is so the shootout at I'm gonna I'm doing air quotes when I say at OK Corral <laughs> took 30 seconds. And most it was like started and ended in 30 seconds. Like most movies, you know, it's like a solid you know, Tombstone actually probably has it the most accurate. It doesn't last that long in Tombstone, but it's right. not 30 seconds. But there's, I guess, another movie that was made about it, maybe like My Darling Clementine or an older oh, okay, yeah. movie about it. It's like the end of the movie and it lasts for 15 minutes, when in reality, the the actual shootout lasted for 30 seconds. Yeah. And um, in those 30 seconds, 30 shots were fired. So that's pretty impressive. You got eight guys squaring off against each other. The fact that anybody survived this at all is a miracle. Um, So after the 30 seconds came and went and the 30 bullets were fired, Virgil and Morgan were severely injured. That would be Virgil and Morgan Earp. Mm -hmm. And um, Doc Holliday was was injured, but not severely. And Bill Clanton and both of the McClowry brothers are dead, leaving only Ike Clanton alive. And um, 
This is another thing that was left out, Vanya. Sorry, I feel like I'm drunk. I love it. No, no, this is great. This is so good because there's so many like retaliations. There's so many vigilantes. It's like one comes after the other, then the other comes after the other. And And everyone, everyone's like, we're doing this for our people, you know? So after the shootout happens, Wyatt Earp and Doc Holliday are arrested and put in jail for murder. That's left out of the movies. Right. Um, and unfortunately, Virgil and Morgan Earp are so, both so injured that they cannot be put in jail because they're so injured. Like, they're not going anywhere. And um, Doc Holliday and Wyatt Earp are put on trial. And the way that trial worked back then is it was a grand jury type situation. And if they were indicted, then they, then they were going to be sent from tombs- Tombstone to Tucson to stand actual trial for murder. And this trial lasts for 30 days, right? And uh, mostly due to eyewitness testimony, but in main part due to the testimony of Ike Clanton himself. So the surviving Clanton dude brother, on, the, yeah. on the other side that wasn't the Earp brothers and Doc Holliday, the one guy that lived. His testimony was so inconsistent and all over the place. He contradicted witnesses that were there to basically support what he was saying. He contradicted his own lawyer and he contradicted himself to the point where everyone was like, um, yeah, we can't even make sense of what he's saying. But all we know is that he's saying that the people who are supposedly saying that he is right, he's saying that they're wrong. So the guys are acquitted. But the trial did go on for 30 days. It wasn't like it was a one day and done situation. And it's so weird. Um, It's so crazy because he was the deputy. I mean, they were lawmen, right? Like, Right, but they did also like... You know, they didn't have. It was a misdemeanor to have guns oh, in see. the town. You, they didn't have to like go and open fire. I see. And and I was never clear in any of the research I did specifically who fired first. And I think that is also in large part why they weren't acquitted because nobody could say for sure if the McClowries and Clantons fired first or if the if the guys did. Oh, um, you know what I think is an interesting fact. This is something that I learned in one of the documentaries I read or watched. It he uh Wyatt Earp usually didn't shoot his gun at all. He did a thing, right. it was called buffaloing where he he'd take the um end of his pistol and bolt you know, whip somebody right. with it. Pistol whip someone. Yeah, he yeah. pistol whip and he apparently he was so fast he did it so fast it would knock people out. So just saying. Yeah, well, if the Tombstone movie is accurate in this, he actually says that he had only ever killed one person when he was in Dodge City. Like, he only ever fired his gun once. He would always pistol whip people. And when he fired that gun, he took someone's life and he never wanted to do that again, which is why he didn't want to be a cop anymore. Oh. I don't know if that's actually I like true, that, but that's what it the movie... It gives it motivation. Part of me, it also kind of makes sense. Like, why would you want to... If you're a successful, like, like countrywide renowned police officer Mm -hmm. why would you at a young age retire and decide to like move out to the wild west to remake yourself and it must be because something was going on and if it was like a guilty conscience so after the two are acquitted the cowboys and the clantons are like this will not stand like three of ours are are dead and gone and their courts are acting like nothing happened so they plan their own version of vigilante justice. We'll call it revenge because they're kind of the bad guys in our story. So we'll call it revenge, but it's also vigilante justice. Mm -hmm. So on December 28th, 1881, a little over two months after the shootout at the OK Corral, Mm -hmm. while walking from a saloon back to the Cosmopolitan Hotel, which was a hotel in the middle of Tombstone where the Earps were all staying together 
because they knew that their lives were at stake. So it was like for support and protection, they were all staying in the same place. So as Virgil Earp is walking from a saloon back to the Cosmopolitan Hotel, he is ambushed by three men, shot in the back and the upper arm, which shattered his humerus, which I looked up, is the bone, the long bone in your arm that runs from your shoulder to your elbow. It shattered it. The doctor had to remove, like, in order to like get the bullet out and the sh- all of the stuff and to save the to save him um he like 5 inches of that bone had to be removed so he survived the attack but ultimately was um maimed and was never able to regain the use of that arm again then about let's see sorry i lost my place so After this attempted murder, Wyatt then reaches out to the U.S. Marshal from Pima County, which is Tucson, deputy or U.S. Marshal Dake, I believe was his name. And he requests he wants to be deputized to become a a marshal so that he can form a posse to go hunt down these would be assassins of his brother. So he then deputizes to a U.S. um, Marshal, right? Like, yeah, yeah. to a U.S. Marshal. So he asks the U.S. Marshal Dake to make him a marshal. That is granted. And then he goes ahead and deputizes um, Warren Earp, his brother, Doc Holliday, Sherman McMaster, Jack Johnson, Charlie Smith, Daniel Tipton, and John Vermillion. And they form this posse that's going to go after these guys that tried to kill Virgil. And then on Saturday, March 18th. So December, end of December is when Virgil was attacked. It is a, about two and a half months later on March 18th, 1882, that Morgan Earp, Doc Holliday, and another member of the posse, Daniel Tipton, attended the play Stolen Kisses at Tombstone's <gasps> Shafelin right. Hall. And afterward, Doc went back to his room while Morgan and Daniel headed over to Hatch's Saloon and Billiards Parlor, which had become kind of the posse's unofficial headquarters. Morgan and Bill Hatch started a game of pool while Wyatt, Tipton, and McMasters all just kind of watched him play. At around 10.50 p.m., someone fired two shots through the window of the back door. One bullet that broke through the window passed through Morgan's body, shattering his spine and actually landing in the thigh of someone else in the um, saloon. And the other bullet struck the wall directly over Wyatt's head. Morgan was pulled from the line of fire by his brother, but he died from his wounds less than an hour later. Yeah, and Vanya, I'm going to let you take it from here. That's true. Well, and now that posse, even though it was, you know, I mean, I guess he was, Wyatt was the U.S. Marshal at this point. But days after Morgan's murder, Wyatt Earp forms this posse. Um, but to protect, he's got James and Warren Earp protecting his fam at home and he's taking Doc Holliday on the road with him and Sherman McMaster, who by the way was possibly working undercover to break up the outlaw cowboy people as well um, oh. as a Texas Ranger. But he, cause he, he kind of like traded sides a little bit, but in the end oh, he okay. was always like for uh, Wyatt Earp, Law. like hardcore. Okay. Uh, I and these like names always remembering that like one Jack character. Turkey Creek Johnson and Charles Harelip, Charlie Smith. And Dan Tipton, that's a pretty boring name. I like Texas that. I thought Jack it was Vermillion. Tipped. Dan Tip Tipton. Yeah. So Virgil and Morgan's wife were on their way to Colton, California. After Morgan's died, Morgan dies, right? So they're going to like take the body up to California. Virgil, his wife, Allie, and the so the family, the Herbs family home settled there, right? Okay, there's a guy named Pete Spence and his wife confesses to like, it's weird, the coroner is the one that was like questioning people. Um, but he confesses that she confesses that her husband comes, came home after 
the murder with Frank Stilwell and a couple others um, after the murder. So Frank Stilwell is, was they found, I think his hat in the alleyway or something um, of where Morgan was killed, where they think it happened. Um, they, and also someone saw Frank Stilwell running from the scene. So, Wyatt was like seriously about to fuck these guys up. He was over it. And this is this yeah. is where this is in the play, point where the movie where he's he's like, Well, you called down the thunder. Well now you got it. And yeah. he's like It's so epic. I love it. Yeah. It's epic. So then um <laughs> so Pete Spence uh confesses to the sheriff that he's like, Yes, I was there, but I didn't do anything, but I was there. So he puts him in a cell for a couple of days and he did that like purposefully because he knew that that would that he'd get out pretty quickly after that. Um so on March twentieth, Wyatt found out that Frank Stillwell, Ike Clayton Clanton, sorry, and a couple of the other cowboys were waiting in Tucson to finish the job with Virgil. They were gonna kill him, get him get rid of him. So the posse came to accompany Virgil and his wife on the train. And as I guess Virgil steps off the train and he sees those guys on the platform and they, they kind of hide, but they go have dinner. They got their bellies full. And then they were about to board the train back to Colton, California. And as the train pulls away, Virgil, his wife on the train, dead Morgan, also on the train, they hear you hear gunshots. Wyatt shoots Frank Stillwell and apparently Frank Stillwell stumbles which allows Wyatt to catch up to him but historians think that Wyatt shot him in the leg so he could catch up with him to to pull the names of who else were, was there that killed oh. Morgan he, I think he did get some information from what he needed and I Clayton Clanton was there as well but he escaped that downright dirty fart head he just seems yeah. to leap I Clanton somehow gets out of trouble all the time and so Frank Stillwell was a big one he was the one who they think actually pulled the trigger for to that killed Morgan. Then okay. we've got Pete Spence. Remember good old Pete? They go up to his mountain home, Wyatt and the posse, but he's not there. But there are two other men there, a guy named uh, Cruz, and they, uh, who, who didn't have any beef with Wyatt. And he asked, why did you, you know, work with those guys to kill my brother? And he's like, well, they gave me $25. They were my friend. And he was pissed. And he was like, we can have, okay, fine. Let's have a shootout, like man to man duel. Mm -hmm. But it could have been that he just gunned him down in the, they, they don't know. At this point, Wyatt's pissed. He's like, no, I don't think so. Everybody's going down. Get out of my now way. You brought the thunder down and now it's coming for you. Meanwhile, Sheriff Behan hated Wyatt and he was talking all kinds of shit. In the next 20 years, tries to ruin Wyatt and for more reasons than one. But for now, I'll just leave it with that. After, So they also had to raise some funds to keep the this posse going. And everybody was meeting at the Henry Clay Hooker's Sierra Bonita Ranch. This mm -hmm. is where in the movie it's... Uh, Charlton Heston? Yes, Charlton Heston plays <laughs> Henry Clay so Hooker. Much. And everybody goes there. They leave. And as they're walking through the that horrible terrain, there's not a lot of water anywhere. And everybody knows there's this spring. Uh, it's called Iron Springs in the wet stone mountains. And they're all kind of headed there because it's the only place to, to get water. On their way there they stumble upon Curly Brocious and his gang. And he was like the last piece of crap who... Real rough and tumble cowboy. Yes. He's, what a character in um, in the Tombstone movie. I, oh, they, yeah. I never found evidence of him being that involved in what was going on with 
like the Cowboys versus the Earp family in Tombstone in my research, but in the movie, you're just like, ooh. Yeah. Well, his name is all over the place since the research. I, but he was a he was a bad man, and he was definitely on the Wyatt to kill list. He dies yep. in the stream. Um, he was also um, hearkening back to when I said that you could be like wanted one year and then a sheriff the next year. So it's Curly Bill is what they called him, right? Yeah. And um, so apparently at one point, not only was he this like horrible, sociopathic, like homicidal cowboy, he was the tax collector in the town that he was living in. (laughs) Because guess what? Everyone was like, here you go, of course. (laughs) Yeah. And and in the movie, this is somebody asks, what does he want? Revenge? And Doc Holliday's, you know, the character Val Kilmer is like, no, he wants a reckoning. He's talking about why. Oh, yeah. Johnny want- Ringo, another horribly homicidal sociopathic cowboy. Yeah. At this point, this is in the Iron Springs in the West Whetstone Mountains. This fight was immediate. Bullets were flying, and most of Wyatt's posse retreated, except for Wyatt and one other guy whose horse got shot. And I can only imagine he's like, My horse. I would be crying my eyes out. Oh my God. I would just be like, Take me now. I agree. And so I won't with all leave my horse. I know. And so this guy was felt that same way, but he eventually got out of the way. But Wyatt miraculously didn't get hit at all. This is sort of where some of the lore, like the OK Corral started the lore. And that's where like the media, I guess back then started following him and he was famous. But at this point, he once again defies death. He has no, he's not wounded at all. And... Eventually, he you know he kills Curly. He get, Erp gets was able to get on his horse and retreat with his posse, and the the coroner cr- credits Wyatt Earp in killing Frank Stillwell, Curly Bill, Indian Charlie, and Johnny Barnes in their two week long vendetta ride. So he leaves Arizona with his brother Warren, Doc Holliday, and a few others, and head for Colorado. This is where I was kind of like, oh my god. So that that's that was the revenge story. Like he he right. took out everybody. It kind of ruined his. It, honestly, if they wouldn't have gotten involved in the in if Virgil wouldn't have said I'm going to be a marshal, if they just stuck with trying to make money in that town, right. they probably would have been fine. But right, but the town probably wouldn't have been fine, you know. And not that the town was super fine, true. but it did survive. Like Tombstone did not die as yeah. many people thought that it would after. You know, right, it burned down a couple of times, but it's still burned there. Burned down, you know, it was the death of the of the cowboys of the West, but it's still there. It is still a town and it never died. But um, yeah, it'd be curious. Well, you know, we'll get into it, but I don't know if you know what Wyatt Earp's last words were. I, um, I, I don't, but I would, I can't wait. So at this point, this is where I want to get into his relationship with Josephine Marcus. Josephine Sadie Marcus, who was from San Francisco. Remember Sheriff Bean? So yep. she gets to town. She's 15. Let's call her 15. She was 14. She was 14. A couple <laughs> okay, weeks so later. So let's call her 14. <laughs> so so the, the, the acting troupe leaves. She stays there. Why does she stay there? Because she is in a relationship with Sheriff Beam, who is 33 years old. Now, Sher- I know, and Sheriff was married, but this like caused him like a real messy divorce. And this is another reason why the Sheriff hated Wyatt, because they were making eyes at each other. And Wyatt's 13 years older than Jos- Josephine, which is still... Right. Uh, still gross. But whatever. So- but at least he wasn't making moves on her when she was 14. They're just yeah. making eyes at each other. Mm-hmm. It's still gross, guys. Don't make eyes. No, it's true. So the reason, like, not the reason, but I think I think Wyatt always had a wandering eye, unfortunately. But at the same time, sort of gets intrigued by Josephine and her excitement. And she had an adventurous spirit, which, like you mentioned, Wyatt's dad had. And he had as well. He just wanted to move on and keep moving. They went off with each other. And 
they actually spent their remaining years together. Yeah, they were married for, I think, 45 or 47 years. Yeah. And she wrote a book called I Married Wyatt Earp. But there's one thing that in her book she never talked about. There's two years she left home before she ran off with Wyatt. And I wrote, that means she was 17 uh, when they ran off together. Wyatt was 13 years old or whatever. But researchers connected her with a person named Sadie Marshall working as a soil dove and tombstone for two years. So it seems like she was kind of a master of... She was an actress. She was an actress, but she was also like someone who wanted to invent herself as someone else. And so she took off that. I love the word soil dove. Oh, my God. But like a prostitute, poor, like a teen prostitute. It's very sad. But yeah. So when the the theater company left, she stayed behind in Tombstone. And to survive, she worked Mm -hmm. in um, the sex work industry until she and Wyatt finally... We're like, yes, I have been making eyes at you like you thought I have this whole and time I and think, ran off together. Yeah, and that, and also this whole time, he she was also like with the sheriff. The too. sheriff. So it's a little bit murky there, but you know. And then in the end, you know, they were both, Wyatt and Josephine were gamblers, such bad gamblers. They owned stables, raced horses. Uh, Wyatt, well, right, Wyatt raced horses. He refed bare knuckle fights. They went from boomtown to boomtown to boomtown. And yeah, they even lived in Alaska at one point. Yeah. Like and, they went all over the place. Which is great. And I'm so glad that they were happy in their their wandering spirit. They got to have that together. Maddie ba- Blaylock, remember his common law wife, his right. third one, I guess, before <laughs> before Josephine. Right. During the summer of nineteen or sorry, during the summer of eighteen eighty two, she sends him a letter. She so she goes to Colton, California, waiting for him. He never shows up for her. They, she goes back to Tombstone because I, I think that's where they had a home there or something like that. Right. She sends him a letter saying she wants a divorce because she meets she's met a gambler from Arizona and Wyatt refuses to give her a divorce because he doesn't believe in it. I'm like, did he even believe in Wait, marriage? I mean, what a did piece. You, didn't you marry Josephine? Exactly. Well, common law. They never, there's never on the books. It's oh, like, okay. he, he, he's just. So why does she need a divorce then if it's not Because real? if it's common law, it, there's no common law divorce. There's, oh. that's the thing. It's real tricky. She, he refuses because he doesn't believe in it. Give me a break. Um, It just pisses me off because women are such a disadvantage anyways. Like they right. just a side note. They talk about the Wild West actually being a place where some women could really thrive. You could actually have a job, prostitute. You could actually ha- be a, uh, own a business, madam. Brothel, you could, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but you could also, and then also you could pretend to be a guy and live your days out like alone and you know, yeah. just stay away. You like, didn't have to have a husband to be necessarily, like. Necessarily. But. An accepted member of society. Yeah. Because it was such hard, hardcore Victorian v- values in the cities, you know, on the coast that this was a place where people could, it was a little more lax for women, but not really for, you're, you're not a real full citizen. Like you're not cre- right. tr- created equal or treat, treated equally. Just you can't makes, vote. It pisses me off. But so she meets this gambler. She decides to run off with him anyways. He abandons her in Arizona. And she moves to Pima County and becomes a prostitute. Can I just say that, one, I love you so much for doing this research, because as somebody (laughs) who less than two hours ago finished watching Tombstone, you know how the end of movies about real events are like, and then this happened, and then this happened. In the movie Tombstone, I don't know if you remember what they say about Maddie. They say she died of an overdose of laudanum or whatever. Is that what laudanum is? So so she... They said a month after she left Tombstone. That's not true. It was in... 
in okay, so on July third, eighteen eighty eight. Several years later. Yeah, that's almost after, ten years. After later. working as a prostitute and or you know, sorry, working in the sex trade industry, but like she struggled with addictions and ended up dying by opium overdose. And I just wrote oh. so sad, so sad. So suicide? Yeah. All right. Well, I just think that's so fascinating that in order to somehow make the audience more accepting of this love story between Wyatt and a not 14 or 17 year old Josephine, I'm very much grown Josephine in Tombstone. They say at the end of the movie that she died a month after they left. Oh, no, they definitely left that Virgil. And the other crazy thing that I learned in this uh, podcast is it's it's a podcast for like, I would say my grandpa would have really liked it. You know, it's Mm -hmm. one of those historian Basic, yeah. basically a historian reading out of a book. And they talk about Josephine in later years where they end up in San Francisco, I think, and a, a couple other pl- places. And eventually, I think Los Angeles, how she became a bit of, well, she couldn't be trusted with money. She would just gamble. it. She had a gambling problem. Right. She became sort of a shrew, they said, which I hate that word, but she just tortured him. Apparently, Wyatt would go on long walks just to be away from her, which makes me sad, oh. but it's so different than the story. Yeah, where they're like, they never were apart. And then, and secretly, they're like, because she wouldn't let him leave. To me, Wyatt was, I would never personally be, I would not, it would be so stressful to be some with someone like that. I, I mean, also, it'd be stressful not to be able to work on my own and make money. But like, right. they just went from town to town doing whatever made money, I guess. Yeah, like they just had to survive. It's how they, so they survived. They just did what they had to do. And especially because I think everything that went down in Tombstone that we just talked about, you know, he murder doesn't have a statute of limitations. So he could never go back to Arizona. You know, All like, right. like he could be if caught by somebody that was aware of what he had done and he was pretty notorious, like could have been like thrown in jail. And so I think that was a big part of moving around as well, along with having to keep moving on where the, where the money was, where they could make that money. But one of the things that I learned Vaughn about towards the end of his life. So he died at the age of 81 in 1929. And you know what his final job was? What? He worked as a consultant in Hollywood with Silent film directors who are making westerns. Oh that my is gosh! Literally, what That's he did. So amazing. Yes, William S. Hart attended his fu- funeral. Was his pallbearer, right? And cried really hard. I think yeah, somebody. But he yeah. was one of his. Yeah, he was one of his pallbearers. But I love that. Apparently, he did sit down with these people to like tell them his life story. The historian that I was listening to, Tom Clavin, was saying it's interesting that he must have told them either his mismemories of it or they were like, great story. I have a better one. And so they like, they, you know, they knew the story, but they chose to like embellish things or change things around. But they paid him as a consultant. And that is that was the final job he had before he passed away is he worked as a consultant for Western movies in Hollywood, the silent film era. And I just thought that was like so cool. Another thing that I just wanted to point out that has never been historically accurate about a lot of these movies is the death of Johnny Ringo which I think is maybe one of the most famous scenes in Tombstone where yeah. Val Kilmer's um, Doc Holliday's like comes up and we all think it's Wyatt and he's like, I'll be your Huckleberry. That's you know, and right. he kills the evil cowboy. Apparently, one, uh, Johnny Ringo never died outside somewhere. He was found in his cabin in whatever that same area was. But historians can prove based on like eyewitness accounts of the location of Doc Holliday and Wyatt Earp at the time of his death that it's not physically possible that either one of them had anything to do with him dying. Yeah. And that the most likely scenario based on 
how he was found, manner of death, like bullet between the eyes or whatever. He was a drunk and apparently greatly depressed. Yes, he was also an evil dude or whatever. But most historians believe that the most likely scenario is that Johnny Ringo just committed suicide. Oh. And that this this lore around Wyatt yeah. Earp and this vendetta. I didn't read anything about that. Yeah, I didn't read anything yeah, well, about Ringo. I, only, I was like, oh, I missed it. But okay, that, yeah, I'm glad Johnny you had Ringo, that information. Yeah, Johnny Ringo's the one in the movie, you know, that like in the beginning shoots the priest in the head. Oh, and he's so like, upsetting. He was, he was reading from revelations, you know, about a pale horse or whatever. Which Yeah, he knew Latin. He Doc was educated. Holiday. but Yes. And so apparently he was right up there with Curly Bill. It was like one of the nastiest, most terrifying um, cowboys you could run into because he yeah. was a sociopath. He had no empathy. He would shoot you in the in the face for no reason. Um, so I thought that was just an interesting, interesting little nugget. That's wonderful. Tidbit. Yay. Thank you for going on this yes. Western vigilante tour with us because... Um, it is, it's insane. And, you know, we've told so many vigilante tales. Some feel like really earned and some feel like, to me, this one feels like it's just hate beginning, hate beginning. It's like, right. And a time when everybody was just like guns, guns, guns. I mean, so many people in that era died of a gunshot wound of like retaliation from something else. So it's like, right. Or like self-inflicted because they didn't know how to shoot it. Like (laughs) Doc Holliday. That's not how he died, but. This idea that just because everybody had guns, that everybody was like some gunslinger. I love it. That's been kind of debunked. And it's been like, you know, a lot of those gun deaths back in the Wild West were because people shot themselves on accident. I believe it 100%. Yeah. But Vaughn, I also just want to say thank you to you for suggesting we do this because this was... Um, a narrative, a, a, a legendary story in American history that I feel like most of us have at the very least heard about. And sure. I grew or up, seen the movie. Or seen the movie. But like you have an idea about, yeah. you've heard of Wyatt Earp. You've heard of the OK Corral. You've probably heard of Doc Holliday. I hadn't heard of the Vendetta Ride, um, even though it is depicted in Tombstone, which I realized when I watched it today that I don't think I've ever actually seen before. <laughs> even, though I, even though I thought I had seen it. I was like, I don't think I have seen this. But just yeah. thanks for for suggesting. Oh my this, gosh, you're welcome. Ended up I'm being so, so much fun. fun. Yeah, thank so you. Fun. Too. Yeah, All right, and we've got our season finale of rom crime vigilante. 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 Next week, <laughs> it's gonna be really fun. Yay! This has been such a fun season, and we're excited to kind of wrap it up with um, a little. Bing bang boom a room. Oh, you're gonna and, love. Um, yeah, and then we look forward to kind of getting back to our regularly scheduled programming in Rom Crime Season Three, where we bring you all true crime with a romantic twist. But we go. will talk to you next week. Yes, bye. bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Rom Crime. We have new episodes out every Friday, so feel free to subscribe if you want to follow along with us. You can also follow us on Instagram at Rom Crime. That is R O M C R I M E. Or you can email us at romcrimepodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Bye.